0: Okay, so if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Joshua chapter 2, and we'll get started. So over the last few weeks, we've been working our way through uh, Hebrews 11, looking at some of the great heroes of the Old Testament. And each of these people have been commended for their faith as they've stepped out and lived lives following God regardless of their cost. With each of these people that we've explored, what faith in God looks like practically, rather than, rather than this kind of nebulous concept that I think so often when we talk about faith, we can end up with. We know that we are called to be people of faith, but what does that actually mean? What does that actually look like in our day-to-day life? Faith in God can be hard to define sometimes, and I think because it's, it, it manifests in so many different ways, but when we see it, we know that that's what it is for sure. For Abraham, it meant leaving his home and going to a country that God had called him. For Sarah, it was believing in the miraculous that God would fulfill the promise of giving them children. For Moses' parents, as Tanya preached on last week, it was trusting their child to God and not being afraid of the king's edict. And the more we tell these stories, the more that we kind of um, share about what's going on, the more we read scripture, the more we share uh, stories of faith in our lives, what happens is that faith starts to arise in us. And we start to live lives of boldness and courage. Faith very much is a muscle. And it gets strengthened when we share uh, these stories of faith, when we learn from the examples of old. And then what happens is when that muscle becomes strengthened, when uncertainty and chaos comes and knocks on our door, suddenly we find ourselves being able to respond in faith because we've trained ourselves. You see, faith is the antidote to fear. Because at heart, faith is choosing to align ourselves with God's reality rather than that of the world. It's the choice to put our confidence not in the fleeting promises of the culture around us, but the internal truths of God is a decision to believe God's story over your situation, one that will always lead to life and hope, rather than the world's story, that the world is so desperately trying to speak over you that can only ever lead to death and despair. And so today's hero of the faith is Rahab. And the author of Hebrews only gives us one single line. He says in Hebrews 11:31, By faith, the prostitute Rahab Because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And I kind of wondered a little bit, well, why why is there only one line? Why is there kind of, you know, for other people, there's these paragraphs in the cave. And it's because the story of Rahab was well known within the society and the culture. Actually, Rahab is also mentioned by James as this beautiful example of faith and, and deeds when they meet each other, when they're combined. And so I almost wonder if it's almost like it's a a trigger point, it's a reference point. And so when the author of Hebrews reminds the reader of Rahab, suddenly people go, yeah, I remember her story. I remember what she went through. I remember what she lived out. And then they're encouraged and inspired by. But in many ways, she's a really unlikely candidate to be an example. She was a woman, a Canaanite, and a prostitute. Three things that for religious Jews would have disqualified her from being a part of God's plan. And yet, here we find her celebrated in the great heroes of faith, celebrated for what she did, for being a key instrument in God's plans and purpose. And I think it's because in Rahab's story, we see this mighty faith, a faith that chooses to embrace God's reality, not the world a faith that doesn't allow her past to define her future, and a faith that invites others into the journey. In Rahab, we see a woman who not only changed her own destiny, but that of her family, of a whole nation, by simply choosing to believe in the story that God was inviting her into. So as we explore today, the question we must be asking ourselves is, what is the story What is the narrative of faith that God is inviting us into? And with that then, what are the faith muscles that he is calling us to to use and develop and to exercise? I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the story of Rahab, and one of the things that really stood out to me was this idea of kind of moments of change. Have you ever had those moments in your life where suddenly a decision that you made sends you on a completely... Different path. I think one of the ones that always stands out to me is my first date with Hannah. Now, it was an okay date. I mean, I was clearly bringing my A game. Had my best shirt on. It was all nicely ironed. I was about sixty pounds lighter at the time. Uh, You know, it was good. It was good. And we went for a drink and we went and had some dinner and there was some banter and there was some chat. But she was hot. But there wasn't. I don't know. It was a B minus. I'm just being honest with you, it was a B minus. And so as I walked back from the tube, <laughs> walked back from the tube station, I was like, I'm probably not going to call her. No, nah, no, nah, you know, I, I reckon, uh, yeah, whatever. Within minutes, minutes, she had sent me a message going, Oh, amazing day. You're an amazing man. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, you are God's beloved. Like, would you like to go out again? And I thought, well, it'll be a shame to disappoint her. And so, and so I did. But honestly, guys, if I, honestly, if she hadn't have texted, I wouldn't have seen her again. And so obviously, in hindsight, that would have been a massive mistake. But that moment... But that simple decision could have sent my life in a completely different path. If, I, if, I, if she hadn't have texted, then I wouldn't have seen her again, and we wouldn't have fallen in love, and we wouldn't have got married, and we wouldn't have ended up in Dubai. Small moments can lead to big consequences. And this is exactly what we see in the story of Rahab. So if you go uh, got your Bibles, Joshua chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly uh, sent two spies from Shittim and said, Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So let's back up for a moment. After 40 years, Moses had brought the Israelites right to the edge of the promised land. All that separated them from the destiny that was before them was the river Jordan. But Moses, along with the whole generation that had originally left Egypt, Egypt, except for Joshua and Caleb, had died. As so said there was now a new generation, one of faith, that was ready to take hold of what God had promised. And Joshua, now in charge, decides to send two of his most trusted spies for one final reconnaissance mission, one final look at the land they were going to inhabit. So, so they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. And the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab You are to bring out the men who came to you and entered your house. The city of Jericho knew what was waiting for them. They knew that there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Israelites just on the other side of the Jordan they had already heard the stories about their um, escape from Egypt. They'd heard the stories about the parting of the sea. they had heard the stories about their encounters with other kings. And they knew it was only a matter of time before the battle was going to be on their doorstep. And so when the spies were spotted entering Rahab's home, the king of Jericho knew that he had to go and find out what was going on. And so in that moment, Rahab is suddenly presented with a choice. Does she rat out the spies, or does she lie? Small moments can lead to big consequences. Picking up verse 4. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gates, they left. I don't know which way they went. You are to go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. Rahab decides to lie in that moment, in that decision, turning her back on her country, her friends, everything. But why does Rahab decide to do this? It actually, if you think about it, it makes no sense. She's being a traitor to her people. She's being disloyal. But I think we get a clue in verse 8. Verse 8 says, before the spies lay down for the night, She went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. You see, Rahab had a revelation of who God was, a revelation that stirred a certain amount of faith within her. And while many others knew about what God had done for helping the Israelites and their escape from Egypt, only Rahab had the revelation that this land was, in fact, God's. And these words that she says, this declaration echoes the same faith that Joshua and Caleb had all those years below when Moses had sent them into the promised land. And they saw the giants and they saw the troubles that were in front of them. And they said, we could do this because I know this land has been given to us. This declaration that Rahab makes doesn't come from a place of fear like the rest of the inhabitants of Jericho. But it comes from this place of revelation. Revelation. And this faith that starts to grow, that starts to build in Rahab, means that she could choose God's reality, not the world. That she could choose to define her future, not based on her past. That his faith meant that she could invite others into this story as well. And So for the rest of our time together this morning, I want to explore the three different ways that Rahab's faith manifests in her choice. For as we tell this story, my prayer and my hope is that faith will start to arise in you. And this is what I was saying at the beginning. When we share these stories of faith, when we share what God has done before, when we kind of inspire each other, then suddenly we see the boldness and the courage starting to appear. So I earlier described that faith as being a lot like a muscle. And you may be thinking two things. First off, Matt, you clearly know a lot about muscles, which you are correct. And second, what do you mean muscles have to do with faith? Well, I want to tell you uh, another uh, story with Hannah. We, uh, when we first moved to Dubai, we decided that we would see a personal trainer together. Now, Hannah had been running and exercising and doing gym stuff for a long, long, long time before, me uh, not so much. And uh, the, the trainer we were seeing would often get us to compete with each other to do kind of various exercises. And the problem is, as you can clearly tell, I'm very unfit, but I'm very stubborn. And so I knew there was no way that I was going to let Hannah beat me. And I remember there was one particular day where we were doing uh, these weighted bicep curls, and they kept adding the weight more and more, and I was determined I was going to smash it. And so I did, not because of fitness, not because of strength, but just pure kind of arrogance. The problem was, for the next four days afterwards, I was absolutely destroyed. I mean, I literally could not pick up my hands above this. I remember going to the supermarket with Hannah. She was sending me to get something, and I could have barely kind of opened the freezer. I get it, and then it just falls at my feet, and I can't do anything. I'm just, just kind of—it's it, not a good look. It wasn't worth the kind of the win. The problem was— between me and Hannah is that she had trained her muscles. She had trained the exercise, so, she had, so there was a certain kind of um, uh, experience that it had. So in that moment, when those bicep curls were coming, her muscles were able to respond. For me, I couldn't. Yes, I could do the exercise in that moment, but I was destroyed afterwards. And for me, this is such a picture of what exercising that faith muscle is, is that when that moment comes then, you have the muscle memory. You have the ability to respond and to carry on as if it was normal life. Unfortunately, in so many of these stories, Hannah wins and I lose. And in Rahab's story, we see three different ways that she exercises her faith. So number one, faith is choosing God's reality, not the world's. For all her life, Rahab would have grown up as a Canaanite, worshipping a plethora of gods and goddesses. Rahab's whole family would have worshipped these gods. Then there would have been a local god, a local deity for Jericho, who was in charge of protecting Jericho, in charge of kind of making sure it was safe. And so the thought of betraying or being disloyal to Jericho, was almost unimaginable. Yet for Rahab, something in the stories that she had been hearing about the Israelites and their gods caught her attention. There was something different about this God. You see, he had the power to act. He had the power to save. He wasn't just somebody that pointless worship and pointless desperation, but he clearly loved his people. Most significantly, she recognized that this God, the God of the Israelites, wasn't just a local God confined to a city or a king, but was in fact the God of the universe. And in the conversation of, with the spy, she says, for the Lord your God in heaven above and all the earth below. She recognized that this God was the Lord not only for the Jews, but in fact all of heaven and earth. Something in God's story had implanted in her heart, and she wanted in. And this revelation led to the action that she decided to hide despite. But in this simple act, Rahab is choosing to align herself with God and his people, but in doing so is rejecting the things of the world and the culture she grew up in. This is faith in action. This is the tangible expression of what she had come to put hope in. And so she is rejecting her loyalty to Jericho, her own city, and all that it stood for. She was rejecting the opinion of others. Think about it. Helping the Israelites was helping the enemy. And if her neighbors had found out, at best case scenario, they would have said she was mad. At worst case scenario, they would have said that she was a traitor. She was rejecting the religious convictions of her family and loved one. This new revelation of God meant that she had to reject the faith that she grew up in. She rejected a fear of death. If she had been caught, this certainly would have been the end of her. And I think this is part of the reason that she is so celebrated. For in this moment, she chooses to align herself with God's reality and God's truth, not of the culture or the world that she found herself in. This is what faith in action looks like. And we too must face the same challenges that Rahab does, as we seek to align ourselves today the, the, the question I want to ask is, are you prepared to exercise that faith muscle? Are you prepared to reject the loyalty to your culture when it stands against the things of God? Are you prepared to reject the opinion of others when they try to divert you from the path that you know you must walk? Are you prepared to reject the religious or social convictions of your family and loved ones when they're not of God? Are you prepared to reject this, this fear that so easily can sweep over, for, over us? for what the cost may be when we step out in the things. Ultimately, it was her faith that saved her, though she was prepared to count the cost. Second, faith is not letting your past define your future. The text is explicit in this. Rahab was a prostitute. Some people have tried to argue that it's a mistranslation or whatever. No, it is absolutely clear that she had a dubious past. But what is amazing is it doesn't stop her from embracing the new future that God has for her. In the moment of making that decision with Despise, one wonders how easily it would have been for her to write it off. For her, after years and years of being used and abused, after years and years of her worth being only defined in terms of what she could give others, after years and years of being seen purely as a commodity, suddenly in this moment, there's a moment of acceptance, there's a moment of relationship, there's a moment of helping others for kindness. And she could have ridden herself off. The narrative that she could have spoken over her life is that I am worthless, and I will always be worthless, yet... She sees this new chapter of her life on the horizon, and she makes the choice no longer based on her past, but instead in the future that God is promising. And so faith is holding on to the hope that there is always a new story in God. There's always a new chapter of your life that God is writing. One of the things I love about Scripture is when you start to kind of read people's backstories, they all generally had pretty shoddy backstories. Like, there is literally nothing that you could have done in this room that somebody in Scripture has not committed and already done, but then been used in a mighty way for God. If we're honest in our own life, honest with our friends, we know that there are things in our past, there are things in our story that we wish didn't happen or we wish that we could change. But yet, these things don't define our future when we choose to surrender them to God. Faith is choosing. And I keep using this word uh, again and again, choosing, because I think it's, the, it's one of the crux of, of faith. It's this idea that we have a choice to make. We have a choice to kind of how we're going to react in these situations. And in this moment, the choice is, do I choose to believe what God has spoken, or do I choose to allow what my past is saying? We do this by embracing the redemption and forgiveness that can only be found in God. We do this by allowing him to define our worth and value, not based on what we can give, but who he gave for us. Today, we must exercise that faith muscle by choosing to embrace God's new story for us, choosing to seek out forgiveness and redemption that only God can bring, choosing to walk in the freedom that comes from God alone. There's so much more we could say about this section, But what I love is that Rahab goes from this dodgy past to being this hero, this celebration of faith. And the reason that I think she's in that list in Hebrews 11 is because the author is wanting to say, look, you need to not disqualify yourself. You need to not write yourself out of God's story because of what your past has been. You need to look like Rahab and look to the future that God has. Is writing. Third, faith invites others into the journey. What is spectacular about Rahab's story is her, is her desire also to save others. So much so that she makes the spies promise that actually when they come and, um, and, and, um, and siege Jericho, that not just her, but her whole family would be saved. It wasn't enough that it was just her who was okay, but the ones that she cared And as we exercise this faith muscle in our life, one of the things that we start to see is a desire for those who are around us to be saved. There's a yearning for them to experience the fullness of God. Many of you may not know, I don't actually come from a Christian uh, home, wasn't raised as a Christian, and none of my family members at this moment are believers. Yet my soul breaks for them to come and know God. And while each of them have had their own encounter with God, none of them have crossed the line yet. But I believe that part of exercising that faith muscle, part of living out the faith that God has given me, is making sure that my life is a testimony and is a sign to them. Verse 17, Now the men had said to her, The oath you made us swear will not be binding unless when we enter the land you have tied the scarlet cord in the window, through which you let us down, and unless you have, sorry, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brother, and all your family into the house, the choice that Rahab made was hers alone. But the consequences are experienced by her whole family, and this scarlet cord becomes a testament to Rahab's faith. I wonder as they sat there, day after day, week after week, waiting for the Israelites to come and finally siege uh, um, Jericho, and they saw that scarlet cord, what would go for their mind? I, I, I get this real sense that almost it was a crying out, there was a testimony to Rahab's faith. There was a testimony to the fact that Rahab had chosen to put her trust in God. And so today we must exercise this faith muscle by testifying to those around us the provision of God in our lives, even when we are still waiting that we must um, invite others into the story, allowing our faith and actions to show the goodness of God, allowing the scarlet cord of the things that we are waiting for in God, the deliverance that we're waiting, the healing that we're waiting, to be on display for all to see as this constant reminder that God will come through, God will deliver, God will save. There's so much more that we could share about Rahab's story. Later on in Joshua chapter 6, we read that she did exactly as she was instructed to. And even though all of Jericho was destroyed, Rahab and her family were kept safe. Rahab's faith changed not just her destiny, but that of her family and a whole nation. She saw who God was in that moment and chose to act. Her actions were a tangible expression of her faith, the physical exercising of that faith muscle. And so the question that I believe we must be asking ourselves is what is the story, what is the narrative of faith that God is inviting us in today? For it's not one of fear, of despair, or hopelessness, but instead of hope and courage and life. And the choice is ours. Which one will you choose to believe in, to walk in, to speak over yourself? Will you, will you exercise the faith muscle to embrace God's reality, not the world? Will you exercise the faith muscle to not allow your past to define your future? Will you exercise the faith muscle by inviting others into the journey? The choice stands before us this morning. Small decisions can have large consequences. Amen.